You're listening to Snyder & Associates podcast series, a civil engineering, planning, and design firm focused on thinking beyond engineering to improve quality of life within the communities we serve. This episode's hosts are Tim West, Andy Meesman, and Clay Schneckloth. We're seeing significant effect from climate change on a number of our plant communities in the Midwest. Some of these plants that we've relied on year after year for spring blooms, unique forms or branching, or maybe fall color, don't seem to be performing as well as they were, say, about 15 to 20 years ago. The hardiness of some of these plants is lacking, if not much worse than they've been in the past. One of the items that has stood out to me over the years are the ornamental trees. They've always been an item that I've enjoyed planting and watching grow and trim and see the different blooms and seasonal changes that we have with them. The red buds, Japanese maples are items that I really enjoy and have noticed over time that they're just struggling around here trying to get those to thrive and work at all. Yeah, and something that I'm seeing become more and more complex is how we use seed mixes and the proper way to install them and how we write our specs to the advantage of the client, public or private, whoever we're working with to typically use more of a seed approach to some of these larger swaths of landscape that we're working with. The science that's gone into some of the the native seed mixes has really expanded over the last few years. And we really have to examine our seed mixes in more detail. This is something that's hard for a lot of people. A lot of times these seed mixes are just kind of taken for granted. What I've noticed is a lot of shift from the rye annual crop. Some of those rye is actually taking over more as a weed just in terms of specifying tackifier or hydro mulching, hydro seeding within a native mix. It doesn't work as well in terms of the seed actually taking hold. It's more appropriate to find a a good erosion mat for those native seed mixes that'll really allow the plants to pop through that mat as opposed to including some sort of tackifier that's supposed to hold that seed down to the ground. These are new developments that are constantly happening. And what I found that works best for me, if I'm working on a big project that includes a lot of seed area, is just to call the, the local nursery here and pick their brain. These guys are the experts and we take their knowledge form it into a design with all the other components that we're putting onto this site. They have a desire to give you the best information so you keep backing their product, obviously, but we're constantly learning from some of these nurseries and the best approaches to go for seeding and siting trees. I've had good luck with contacting even seed companies and seed distributors. They can provide a lot of that information that you're talking about, Andy. Another area that I think climate change is affecting the seeding is the intensity of some of the rainfall is really requiring some sort of mulching or cover over those seed areas so that they don't wash away. There's been a pretty bad problem with people wanting to utilize hydro mulch with a seed slurry mixed in with it to establish that seed into the ground. It's not getting enough soil contact, and I think that's kind of the lazy way that people utilize that technology. We're seeing a lot of seed companies sell that as the way to eliminate erosion and get the seed down and growing all at once, but it's really important that the seeds are drill seeded in first and that the mulch is just used as the cover and not a a slurry throughout it. Another area that I wanted to talk about real quick here before we left the subject was the microsiding of trees. It's becoming 
really important that these trees are planted almost exactly the design spot. You see a lot of problems with contractors either switching trees around. There might be a tree at that location, but they may switch it. Have you experienced a lot of trouble with that, Clay? Yeah, we have. We want to give these trees the best chance that we can to survive. And when we're looking at trees and varieties to work in the specific site, there's a lot of factors that we key in. We're working with the nurseries to understand root growth and how they're being bald and burlapped all the way to the contractor and how they're installing it and then the maintenance of this tree after it's being installed. So there's a lot of key factors that we need to have that conversation with starting at the very beginning. Yeah, definitely. I think that becomes an important element of plant design. We hear a lot about biodiversity and that's something that's easy to say, but sometimes harder to do. What impacts are you guys seeing from changing plant requirements, particularly regarding biodiversity? An easy example is the Dutch elm disease effect on elm trees in the 60s through the 80s. That resulted in overplanting of ash trees and then the onset of emerald ash borer. Now we're hearing about the Asian longhorn beetle and its effect on maples. What type of strategies are you using for incorporating biodiversity into your plant selection? One of the challenges we face in terms of diversifying our plants is when they're installed in the instruction sequence, what we're left with is we spend a lot of time on planting lists, but sometimes we're required to make some substitutions at the end if it's approaching fall and a particular species isn't left. You always have to have a backup plan for some of those species that you might have called out on plans, which makes it more challenging coupling that with tree requirements that some jurisdictions require and making sure you're following all their guidelines and still trying to find that street tree that needs to go in. Yeah, I'd agree with that, Andy. You definitely need to check with those jurisdictions. Certain species that you may use in one community might not be allowed in the other or have quantity restrictions. So it's definitely good to follow up with them. We also need to take into consideration, along with the diversity, we want to make sure we talk with a licensed landscape architect or a certified arborist when you're looking and selecting trees for certain locations. There's a reason that these people have the education and experience of working with these trees. Getting some guidance from these people is a valuable resource that will help the success of your trees. So if a lot of these plant ecosystems are changing and landscape materials are changing, how do you adapt those changes into your future designs to protect either traditionally environmentally sensitive areas or culturally important areas or historically protected areas? How do you go backwards in time while using a new plant palette or material palette? I want to talk a little bit on the cultural important landscapes. We're talking mostly on plant material, but a lot of times when we're working with landscapes, we incorporate some limestone features or or marble or stone of other products. One of the items that has been brought to our attention that we've worked on in the past is protecting limestone, maybe wall or column that's been registered with the State Historical Society. So when you're dealing with culturally important landscapes, it's not just the plant material, it's also the structures that are incorporated within that landscape. When you start talking about a stone material, a lot of times there's some buildup of algae or other products on this limestone. And we're trying to do a restoration project on this 
but we definitely want to try and protect it as much as we can. We definitely want to halt the process of deterioration and stabilize the condition of the product. Repair on these items are basically we're going to consider it minimal disturbance when we start doing restoration to these limestone features. Try and keep them culturally protected as much as we can. There's a few different products out there that we've used. EcoChem is a chemical that has been used by many different re restoration contractors that is an eco-friendly type product that will not harm the environment but still be able to clean and protect these limestone features. We came across another product that they've used dry ice to help clean these features. So there's some new products that are out there and there's some pros and cons of each and we can definitely walk through some of those items with you. Yeah, we've had a lot of projects that have had some sort of aspect protected through the state historical designation. You have to be really careful with modifying those. We did some work out of Camp Dodge. We've done some planning down in Knoxville where we have some historic elements and structures that really can't be touched and they need to be restored. So the use of new materials has to be blended in carefully but there's always a lot of benefits from using more hardy materials or recycled materials. We'd encourage you to look for opportunities to incorporate those in your design. What we're seeing change in the environment, and I think the landscape architects have a unique perspective of living in the environments that we design and we never sleep. We're constantly learning from these environments since we're walking through them. We understand them better than most people. So. We really see these changes firsthand when we explore urban spaces and some of the natural settings and the plant survivability and the material constructability and its longevity. I think we just continuously learn as landscape architects and we bring this to every single project that we work on. It's not necessarily doing the, the CA work for our, our own projects, but we just see it unfold in the spaces that we enjoy. And we put that to practice on every project and each project gets better because of that. Thank you for listening to Snyder & Associates podcast series, a civil engineering, planning, and design firm focused on thinking beyond engineering to improve quality of life within the communities we serve. Find content related to this episode on snyder-associates.com.